Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome back to Red Shirts and Runabouts, part of the Heroes Podcast Network. We are your weekly Star Trek uh, show, talking all things Trek from your favorite episodes, your favorite characters, favorite storylines, things along that nature. We're changing things up a bit this week, so while we get ready to introduce ourselves, we're going to talk about what we're going to be doing. Uh, Jeremy, why don't you give a quick quick uh, description of what's actually happening, because it's all brand new. Yes, so uh, we are moving to the following format. We will be taking shows. What are we doing? We're um, <laughs> taking a, a concept and basically making it uh, so one of us will. I should have thought this out before I started describing it. What are we doing? Okay. Do you want me to help you out? <laughs> no, hold on. Just let me collect my thoughts. Okay, we are. Uh, you two. Uh, will be pitching shows that fit a certain theme and I will be judging which of those two episodes best fits that theme. Is that about to sum it up? Yeah. I mean, in a fairly generic way. I mean, I think the biggest thing is we've moved on to the next generation. Yes. We are done with the original series for now. Anyway, which I can say I'm not a big fan of. You're not a fan that we're done with it. Or you're not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of it. I am okay. happy that we are moving on to my my track. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So basically what we're going to do is spend three weeks on each season of a show where two of us will basically debate for a particular episode and the third person will v- decide which one that they think made the best argument. Um, and we are starting things off with the best TNG season one Wesley Crusher episode. Yeah, I wanted to start with the hardest one to argue for since Wesley. Ugh. I like Wesley personally. <laughs> and I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I like Wesley I, too. A lot of that might be because I just, I love Will Wheaton and think he's fantastic and that seeps into the character. Um, but, yeah. you know. I'm okay with Will Wheaton, but I feel like Will Wheaton has gotten far more accolades than he deserves for the quality of his work it's harsh man i do not agree i do not agree but that's that's an argument for another time because that's too personal uh but i definitely think wesley crusher is a better character than the voyager borg children that we get at the end of that show so sure yeah um i would actually argue he's a better character than harry kim oh poor harry i like harry i it's not about harry it's just i like wesley crusher i think Okay, we're we're gonna spoil the episode, so all right. Spoil the episode from nineteen eighty nine. Spoil the episode from nineteen eighty nine. I mean, I agree. Uh, Harry Kim is like. Thank you very much. Harry Kim is like the combination of the worst aspects of Wesley Crusher and Jordy, made into a single character. <laughs> but he's never promoted. Yeah, he's never promoted. Does he ever do the floor roll, the Jordy roll? I think so. Actually, I think he Probably. does. <laughs> but see, both Wesley and Jordy are essentially promoted. But yes, At Wesley is Wesley is promoted out of reality. <laughs> well, there's that. But he gets into Starfleet Academy and becomes a cadet, yes. which I, I would imagine a real cadet is a step above an acting ensign. Yes. So. Yeah. So anyway, what uh, what episodes are you two pitching for best first season uh, Wesley episode? Yeah, I mean, my first one, just because if I'm going in chronological order, is The Naked Now, which is... <laughs> It was the second episode of Star Next Generation released, and it's essentially it's it's a remake, not a remake, but it is a remake <laughs> of of the Naked Time from the original series, which, which they reference multiple times. They reference multiple times, and even if you've never seen the original series or the Naked Time, you would know it because it's the episode where Sulu gets gets takes off his shirt and starts sword fighting. <laughs> 
And that's the joke from 2009 Star Trek when they're like, I need somebody with advanced combat skills. And Sulu's like, oh, fencing. (laughs) (laughs) The back of your brain's like, you're like, that's not really advanced combat. But anyways. It is when you're using a flip out katana like he was. That was awesome. That sword is sweet. (laughs) You think they would give everybody in Starfleet one of those? Yes. Um, So The Naked Now is essentially a remake of The Naked Time from the original series. Except harder to fix, because they have the solution from the naked time, and they keep going, but this isn't working. (laughs) Well, that, and it's my favorite Wesley episode, because he is simultaneously the villain and hero. Yes. Obnoxious drunk genius. Not just drunk genius. So we'll get to arguing that, but Derek, why don't you introduce uh, your, your episode really quick? So my episode is the second half of the first season, Coming of Age which um, is a very different episode. It basically has Wesley in the B plot, um, where Picard's in the A plot, and Wesley is trying to get into Starfleet Academy. At this point, he's just the acting ensign in his cool rainbow sweater um, and needs to try and get into Starfleet Academy, which is the, the big focus there. The rest of the episode is the beginning of the weird parasite starfleet arc that probably is the inspiration for the founders in deep space nine okay right off the bat i have a little trouble with you referring to his rainbow sweater as cool you don't you don't want one of those i do not all right well yeah to each each their own jeremy we got to tell you something we we might have bought you one oh god (laughs) and it's going to be delivered soon sorry buddy we thought you wanted it (sighs) you guys you guys just (laughs) don't get me you gotta wear it me at all (laughs) (laughs) look i i grew up with tng so i mean i remember seeing this episode like earliest memories are this this stuff so that sweater has been a part of my life basically forever (laughs) i mean i i did too this was my first trek and this is what i grew up with like i watched these on their first air dates but uh i i always had there's just something deep in my soul that rejected the style of season one because there's something about that single colored stripe around the black part at the top of the uniforms that just repulses me and i have no idea why but i just like every time i look at them i'm like that's that's not right that's wrong mm. wear the right uniform fair enough i mean those are still around in later seasons but they get they get pushed to the side after season two to just like extra characters yeah you know but, yeah, it's, uh, and and talking about fashion in in these episodes, it was interesting to see. Uh, you still see that uh, little like mini skirt uh, uniform, the scant. Yeah, yeah, the scant uniform, mm-hmm. uh, which was which was interesting to to see. It seemed very retro, um, and we see Troy and her her up updo with the bun, and Riker doesn't have the beard yet. Uh, but uh, I think the most notable fashion choice. Is uh, sexy Tasha Yar from the Naked Now? That's right, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> that's not really a uniform per se. Uh, well, I just said fashion. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right. So since we haven't done this before, and this Jeremy, this format was your idea. How would you like Greg and I to kick things off for this conversation? Um. Well, I guess we can go through the. Uh, chronological order that they were introduced in so i guess greg can hit the uh the plot beats of his and we can chime in on those and then you can hit the plot beats on yours and you we can all chime in on those and then afterwards we can make like closing statements where you're pitching why it's the best wesley episode and what that means works for me well where do we even start with the naked now aside from you know encounter to far point was a decent opening episode for two-parter for for next generation it wasn't great it did it did drown in uh, exposition it will that's the problem it drowned in exposition and it they were trying to connect it to the original series with mccoy there so i get that but it wasn't it's one of those opening series it's not the best it's not the worst but the naked now is definitely one of those season one episodes that people have seen next generation they distinctly remember they remember it for a variety of reasons from the drunken act, you know, antics to Tasha and data. And I'm going to give them credit for this. The Tasha data thing was, you know, a 30 second clip on screen. And yet data has a hologram of her later on when he's on, on trial. Wow. So they actually set stuff up in this episode that they continue with historically to the point where 
in the Klingon Civil War episode, minor spoiler, when there's people involved and they're like, I want to target the ship with the android for a specific reason. And I'm not going to spoil who says that. But so stuff happened in this episode that they remembered four years later. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to know that, you know, the three of us have joked many times that some shows and movies get crap for having, you know, fans of the show also make the show. But sometimes it works. But anyways, (laughs) boiling down the plot of The Naked Now is they're... (laughs) Okay, I'm trying to think of the best way to describing the Tsiolkovsky. I'm probably butchering the Russian name, so if we have any, uh, you know, Slavic language speakers listening from Eastern Europe, I apologize. That sounded pretty good. Yeah, well, I'm working on it. I, you know, I watched the episode again. But, they basically, it's, you know, the stereotypical Star Trek thing. They're responding to a message. A very sexy message. <laughs> a very sexy <laughs> a very message. Sexy and and the, um, the, the woman that they're receiving the message from is, like, flirty and... A little voracious, maybe a little sexual. Well, very sexual for Star Trek. But the whole flirty and then all this stuff happens and there's like an explosion. And they're investigating. They get like the, the not the sensors, but like the cameras working. And they're seeing what the hell's going on before they beam over. Or right when they beam over. And they realize that, oh, they were all sucked out into space. And, you know, of course, Data, correction, sir, blown out into space. (laughs) Yep. So again, data data obviously doesn't miss a beat. But yeah, this is this is early data when he was constantly correcting people and not understanding basic idioms is like not the most uh, what's not approachable but like relatable version of data where it's like mm, excuse me, gentlemen. He's he's truly Android data yeah. correcting people, doing this, that, and the other thing like a machine would do. It's like somehow data in this episode is both at his most Android and also at his most human. You are not wrong. <laughs> but, so anyways, they figure out that there's something wrong with the ship, like, early on. They don't know what the hell's going on because they're finding, like, all this weird stuff. The the people that are frozen in the in the one room. Somebody's taking a shower with their clothes on. And, of course, you know, it's like the stereotypical Star Trek. They're responding to a mystery signal and beaming onto a mystery ship with mystery stuff happening. I also love that the the person showering in their own clothes, Riker is like, why do I know that? I remember that. And he's basically saying like, was that an episode of the original series? Like, can you you look that up for me? exactly what he does. (laughs) He's like, why do I, it's like they teach that in Starfleet Academy. Yeah, he's like, I I remember reading that in when I was studying the previous ships called Enterprise. He might as well be saying like, when I was looking at my box set of Enterprise or the original series DVDs, I remember seeing that somewhere. Data, find it. But of course, you know, when they're when they're starting to investigate everything, Crusher has no answers, Troy has no answers, Data has no answers, nobody has again, it's like you see what I mean? This episode hits like all the Star Trek stereotypes. It's like stuff's happening that's goofy, stuff's happening, nobody can explain it. And people die, and mystery signal, and MacGuffin, MacGuffin, MacGuffin. It was interesting that uh Crusher was so adamantly against any insinuation that there was something wrong. She was like, we scan for that. He's fine. There's nothing, nothing, nothing. And it's like, well, come on, Bev, chill. She was, uh, <laughs> she was, she was a little hesitant. And, you know, um, <laughs> you remember when that, what was the instance when she's scanning data and it's like, data's perfect. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, but again, it's kind of reminds you, it's like, is this the first time she scanned him? Anyways. And she moving, said he was, moving past he was that. up to Starfleet medical textbook standards and then he was like i'm actually in a bunch of medical textbooks and she like took offense from that which is weird <laughs> and i love how they, they make notice of Jordy, you know perspiring yeah because i laugh at that because i'm the kind of guy if i'm have to give me if i'm like talking to like a group of people like a meeting for 20 minutes i'm gonna start sweating <laughs> it's just because it's just what my body does i mean he just came back from a ship where everybody's dead and he, so I'm that kind of brain. I'm like, you think people would be a little annoyed. But anyway, so stuff starts happening on the ship like immediately. And Jordy, or not Jordy, um, Wesley. Since we're talking about Wesley episodes, let's focus on our little boy Wesley here. Why I think he is the... Our little boy. Our little boy Wesley. <laughs> and I say that because when I was a kid growing up, I loved Wesley Crusher. And maybe it's because I could relate to him. You know, I couldn't relate. I love Worf, but I can't relate to Worf. I, I can't relate to Picard. He was wise and smart and all this stuff. I'm like, I, get, I don't know. I don't understand any of that. 
I knew I liked it. I know who I can relate to. The child genius prodigy. The child genius prodigy, that but still does kid stuff. Yeah. It's like, that's what I liked, is he was still just a regular teenager. and just regular teen getting drunk and making tractor beams. Yeah, because, I mean, he's like, he, remember, he's even trying to show off. Yeah. he He's trying to show off his little tractor beam thing for, you know, his mom and Jordy and all this stuff. He's like, look what I can do. Mom, look what I can do. <laughs> like, we've all, we all did that as kids. Shut up, Wesley. Yeah, I mean... I don't know if I did that when I was 15. I'm like, you know, built like building a model airplane or something. I'm like, Mom, look. My mom probably just would have shaken her head in disappointment and walked away. But that's a different story for a different time. Yeah, that's a story for your therapist. Story for my therapist. <laughs> now my therapist won't answer the phone anymore. <laughs> it's always just Star Trek conversations. <laughs> but again, it, the, the episode continues with all the MacGuffins because, you know, it's like, Jordy's back in sick bay, and they're like, "Oh, there's nothing wrong with him, though." And he just gets up and leaves. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, there's everybody suspects that there's something going on, but there's no restraints, no security guards. So it's the typical Star Trek MacGuffin. The thing I, the thing you, the two of you, listen to me whine about all the time, or mystery signal, or the moon's gravitational field, or whatever. But that the reason why I want to emphasize Wesley's little tractor beam. That's what makes him the villain and the hero of this entire episode because he's even talking with people he's like you know there's a few little simple modifications i could make this a repulsor beam and he, he everybody gets drunk and so i'm condensing the naked now into two minutes but it's basically the same effects as alcohol i think that's the quote of picard right mm-hmm. well yeah it's it's intoxication but super intoxication yeah, it's like super intoxication without any like the negative side effects. And Picard's reading that report. It's like an effect on the brain like alcohol. And, you know, Picard and Crusher are flirting and Data and Tasha are doing their thing. Well, Tasha's a little promiscuous, It's which whatever. But that's when you learn from about Data, you know, and she's like, you know, are you all this programming? And he's like, oh, I'm programmed in multiple multiple ways. She's not promiscuous. She's just with Data. She's just with Data. She's well. There was the one crewman that she was flirting with. Oh, that's I don't true. think anything happened. She makes out with something. the one guy in engineering. Don't make out with the one guy. But yeah. that, that, does, that doesn't bother me. Whatever. It's adults are adults, and they should do whatever they want. But I think my favorite thing about Data and Tasha hooking up here is that, well, first off, what it does for Data's character arc, but the fact that it's brought up in First Contact, the movie. That's what I mean. Is they take these simple things from this episode and they're played out for like the, the next fifteen years of Star Trek in random ways. I like that. It's it's fun. It's that's what people like. We like throwbacks to the random stuff that happens. Well, yeah. I mean, that's all of the like conflict about discovery and stuff. Uh, people are obsessed with canon, and that is canon is calling back to to things we've seen before. And this is yeah setting setting the plate for future references to to Tasha and Data's sensual encounter. And I think it helps people connect with Data beyond the Android sense. And I know I'm moving past the Wesley Crusher thing, but I think the bulk of people would agree that Denise Crosby was a very gorgeous woman and still is today. Yes. And Brent Spiner, same thing. is a good-looking guy. So people are like, they can connect and relate to people acting like... Derek, I think you were on a few episodes, Jeremy, when you weren't there, but I like it when people act like people. And even though Data's an Android, he's still acting like what, what Jeremy said a few minutes ago, he's, it's like the most human episode of data we get. He's acting like a human. He's acting like a person, you know, he's, um, again, we got to figure out why it impacts his, you know, <laughs> his, his, you know, silicon pathways. Because of his chemical lubricants. Because of his chemical whatever, we'll leave that alone. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Okay, so hang on. So, because this stuff comes back, his relationship with Tasha comes back later after her death and everything like that. He he does miss people because his circuitry inputs start to anticipate things. And when those those anticipated inputs are not there, they are missed. Like, he says that. I forget which episode that that's, that's in. So It's like, I've does... become accustomed to you. Exactly. Line? Yes, exactly. And so, you know, Data might not perceive emotion the way we do at this point, but he does make connections to others that he has relationships with. Also, relative to the original series, it's 
I think it's worth pointing out that this is like legit sexy Tasha, but not in the way that they tried to make women sexy in the original series by putting them in like ball gowns and just kind of teasing their hair. Like she has this kind of weird greased back hair with this little curl in this like under boob swishy dress that like is like nothing I've seen before or since. It's like, well, she's being seductive during like a seductive moment. She's not, she's like some kind of weird alien hot. That's like, yeah, yeah. but it's, it's not like what they did in the original series when it's, you know, breakfast and you know, the crew, the, the, the female crewmen are all there in the, and then hiked up boots and the, and the extremely short miniskirts flirting at 6am when they're eating their, you know, protein biscuits. It's like at that time, Tasha had a specific a specific desire and acted on it, which I think people can relate to. Don't get me wrong. People can flirt at breakfast. I'm not, there's going to be that one person <laughs> on Twitter. That's going to be like, wait a second. I, people act like that at 6 a.m. I'm like, you're right. They do. Greg, you have to stop getting in hypothetical fights with imagined people on Twitter. I, I don't know. We <laughs> have, not they haven't you. been really hypothetical lately. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But that's what I mean is Tasha was acting like a human being and data was responding like a human being. I love it when characters, I love character-driven stories more than just stories happening and characters reacting. I also love how nerdy and family-friendly they effectively made a woman looking at a man and saying, like, does your dick work? Come <laughs> come show it to me. Because, like, are you fully functional? It's like, that's the nerdiest pickup line <laughs> ever conceived by man. Well, at least it works in context since he is an android. Yeah. So it's a, it's a fair question. I mean, Soong, I guess, had aspirations for Data. <laughs> yeah. I think if you make a robot that looks exactly like you, you make sure its dick works. <laughs> well, especially with the whole concept of creating an emotion chip. You know, wanting Data to fall in love or feel this or feel that. I mean. Yeah, when all he had to do was get him drunk. Yeah, you just had to get him drunk or infected with some space virus. Holly water. But anyways, so let me get let me get back to Wesley Crusher. So Wesley takes his little I mean, guys, it's a literal MacGuffin. Yeah. <laughs> he makes it's Chekhov's Chekhov's gun, but Chekhov's tractor beam <laughs> that he makes a portable tractor beam, which is okay, when I'm sixteen, seventeen, I I had trouble cooking like tacos. And this kid, of course, I know it's Star Trek. He's making like tractor beams. And you would think immediately everybody would be like, this kid is really freaking smart. But he takes it. And as everybody's getting drunk, he goes to engineering. And remember, it's the two throwaway engineers, McDougal and Shimoto, I believe. And he's like friends with Jim and they talk and laugh and all this. And he shakes, he shakes the assistant engineer's hand, gets him infected. And then all hell breaks loose because it's like immediately everybody forgets about them. Yeah. And he just puts up his little repulsor beam in engineering and blocks everybody off and takes, con- he literally takes control of the ship as acting Captain Wesley Crusher. Yeah, with his voice changing software. His voice, his voice changing software. I gotta say though, that intoxication hit Shimoto harder than anyone else on the ship. He, <laughs> That's he, for sure. He had like the mind of a toddler. It's like Yeah, you mean like I would de-age him? No, wait a second. I have a toddler. My toddler is still better at organizing stuff than he was. Well, he wasn't organizing. He was playing. Yeah, he was just pulling crap out. I'm like, hey, you, put that back. And she'll put it back. Right. Maybe, you know, they don't, granted, they are not isolinear chips. But I love how in the span of like, I know I know there's going to be somebody out there. But in the span of, a sh- in a short time span during this episode, Wesley Crusher goes from drunk to getting other people drunk to building a repulsor beam and taking over the ship. So the whole joke is when people are intoxicated to that level, they do what instinctively interests them, right? You know, Tasha had an attraction to Data, so they had a romance. Fine. Crusher and Picard have always had that little thing together. They both get the virus hits them. They both kind of flirt with each other pretty heavily. So on and so forth. I felt bad, though. Picard wanted it. Picard wanted it, and Dr. Crusher wanted it, too. But they were maintaining their professionalism. So Wesley, it happens to Wesley, and his literal first instinct is to take over the Enterprise. Yeah. Name himself as acting captain. Wee, I'm a megalomaniac. <laughs> That's what I mean. Is he is he is that stereo he is like a Marvel villain in this episode. All he needed was a gigantic blue space beam yeah. and an army of disposable nanobots, which happens later anyways. 
an army of disposable something that nobody cares about. And you get like a comic book villain. But like in the most charming way. He's like, I'm having fun taking the ship. Exactly. And he uses his repulsor beam to keep people out of engineering. And they're able to like get around it and shut it down and convince him of all this stuff. And he ends up becoming the hero because they get drunk. <laughs> they get drunk data to put the isolinear chips back. As you know, McDougal, my the favorite, most quotable three seconds in the first season, when McDougal grabs the isolinear chip and she's yelling at Shimoto. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these are isolinear chips. And it's like you two of you were just saying, he's acting like a toddler. He's not going to respond. He doesn't know what the hell's going on. He's still playing with them when she's yelling yeah. at him. But so Wesley goes, in the span of two minutes of viewing time, he's from villain to hero because like we're not going to have enough time, are we? And Wesley Crusher goes to the panel, drunk Wesley, who is better than every engineer in Starfleet, who's also drunk, hits like 10 buttons, and he's like, wait a second. If I turn this into a repulsor beam, we can push off from the ship and buy us like five seconds. It was way more than 10 buttons. He was like mapping out the circuitry of the entire ship. It's like when you guys were listening to me type on my keyboard. That's what Wesley Crusher was doing. (laughs) But I love because everybody's brain was probably thinking the same thing as kids that we're still thinking now. It's like, wait a second. You're pushing off from the Tsiolkovsky or are you pushing the Tsiolkovsky? Well, it's basically using the Tsiolkovsky as a shield. Yeah, and they're, but it didn't slow down at all. So it's like you're watching it. You're like, but then again, it's that joke we always, the three of us always have. It's that throwaway line. We're going to push off from the Tsiolkovsky and buy five seconds of, of time. Just so Data can finish putting the isolinear chips in. So he is the literal Loki from the Marvel Universe. I'm making this comparison. Because he goes from megalomaniac taking control of the Enterprise as acting captain. With his MacGuffin as a repulsor field. To using the design from his MacGuffin. To alter the Enterprise's tractor beam to turn it into a repulsor beam. Also he later learns to teleport. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So he uses his own little MacGuffin to to not only cause the problem of the episode, but to save the episode or to save the um, save the ship at the same time. How that didn't cause it Tsiolkovsky's warp core to breach and totally blow up the Enterprise is beyond me. They they took the Animator out, right? No, they they didn't. (laughs) But you got to love it because there's, you know, the, the Starfleet person out there is probably like, man, there was still like. Like 60 bodies on board. Only 20 of them are blown out in the space, right? Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> You're gonna, you know that's going to come up in a Starfleet report somewhere. True, but also the only thing anyone seemed to care about was downloading their data banks. Nobody was like, let's rescue those human being corpses that we need to put to rest. Let's just... Yeah, let's just use them. But anyways, let's just so... just tow it home. It's fine. That's my emphasis on why this was my favorite Wesley Crusher from season one, because he's simultaneously... Marvel villain and simultaneously Marvel anti-hero. Also, as like a 16-year-old kid. One thing I want to point out before we move too far, there's a point where Jordy became weirdly obsessed with being able to see with his own eyes. Uh and one point he never he says he's never seen a rainbow. And it's like, "Oh, but reading rainbow. You've seen so many rainbows." Wow. <laughs> so you got to lo- you got to love how the second episode of Next Generation is literally like a drunken throwaway story. Yeah. And I didn't even think about it because Derek picked the. Anyways, Derek, I'll leave it back to you. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the Naked Now is a classic, um, and it is a hilarious way to kind of kick off the series after the the pilot. Um, so, coming of age is episode nineteen, so it's towards the uh, towards the end of the first season, and I picked this one because it kind of showcases who Wesley is as a person, um, his convictions, his intelligence, his psychology his personality um all that type of stuff so the a plot's going on this entire time and the enterprise is under investigation yada yada picard's mad okay but the entire b plot is carried by wesley because he is mostly with completely new characters who we more or less never see again um there's a couple of small scenes like when he meets Worf on the holodeck but most of the time is him on this base going through the testing to go into Starfleet Academy. I would almost argue that that was the A-plot. I mean, it's called coming of age. Exactly. So that's the thing, right? So 
which is the A plot, which is the B plot. So the A plot is kind of the Picard plot because, well, it's the entire main crew, right? You've got Picard, you've got Riker, you've got this Admiral guy and his little henchmen and... Um, Remick. Exactly. God damn it, you know? Remick. Get the hell out of here, Remick. There's all this conspiracy stuff that comes back later um, in in, uh, in conspiracy and, you know, all that type of stuff. So that's kind of the A plot because the story really continues and um, is deep within Starfleet and all of that. And so I call Wesley's plot the B plot because what are the, what are the stakes? There's really not a ton of stakes here. Either he gets into Starfleet Academy or he doesn't. And, you know, spoiler alert, he doesn't. <laughs> womp, womp. <laughs> but that's not the point the point it, to, to quote Harry Kim it's the journey and <laughs> um, that's what it really is here it's about Wesley's journey through these tests and what that means and so we learn so much we learn that he knows who Mordok is and he really respects Mordok and he even though he, he holds Mordok on this pedestal of being this highly intelligent person who he thought was already in Starfleet, Wesley is willing to, to slow down and take a slower score on his test to help Mordok out, to calm him down, to get him to pass. And basically what we see is that Wesley is a team player. He is a crew member. He is there to help and support and work together as a group to complete the mission, whatever that is. And it shows what type of Starfleet officer he would be, right? Because let's face it, the Enterprise is a galaxy-class starship with a thousand people on board. Everybody's got some role to play, you know, and... You're not you're not on your own. Sure, there's a bunch of Star Trek episodes where, you know, the crew is incapacitated and it's one person who has to save the day, but that's not the normal thing, right? Um so this this episode basically shows that Wesley is a good crew member. He's a good friend, he's a good teammate, he's a good officer. But at the same time, he doesn't pass. Right? Mordok gets in. He does not. He has to go back some other time. And he's dejected. He's disappointed. But the way he accepts that defeat and the way he builds off of that defeat um, is hugely significant for what his character is. He is proud of Mordok. He's looking forward to doing this again in the future. He wants to make sure that he hasn't insulted Captain Picard in any way. Um and it really shows you how mature he is and the drive that he has, the intelligence that he has. And the big psych, the psych test, you know, shows the bravery that he has. That he was, that he's going to go in and he's going to save somebody and do what it takes, even if it means leaving somebody behind, which is what, you know, Picard had to do with his father. Now, let's take a moment here to discuss what it takes to enter Starfleet Academy. Uh, if if this is the links that they go to screen every one person out of like five that tries to apply to the Academy, how are there any people in Starfleet Academy? The bar is set so very high. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Um, it does kind of lead the question of if you were back on earth in San Francisco, would you have to go through the same hoops? I don't know. Hmm. Well, you'd think it'd almost be worse on earth when you have the competition is way more and probably higher in number. Right, because they, they say we're only taking one person from the planet Relva, which is like, what is why is this arbitrary distinction that only one person can come from here? It's like, your your scores were so good. It's just we can't take more than one person. It's like, well, what the hell? It's like, we need men. We need men in Starfleet. It's an elite group, you know? I mean, that's kind of the point of one of the, the maybe the criticisms of the next generation is that you're always seeing the absolute pinnacle best of the best people on the Enterprise is the flagship. But it's also the best of the best that are in the Federation at all. Yeah, but, you know, I feel like Tilly would have had a hard time with this test. Sweet, sweet Tilly. We don't know when this type of testing was put into place. Something tells me that Kirk did not go through the psych test like this. Well, no, he had the whatever <laughs> maneuver or whatever the thing is the called. Kobayashi Maru. Kobayashi, Kobayashi Maru. Maru. Damn. Derek beat me by a half second. <laughs> Come on, guys. Um, but yeah, so 
this episode really shows who Wesley is, right? What his abilities are. Sure, he's been on the ship. He's intelligent. We already know that stuff. But this shows what type of person he is, how engaging he is, the way he cares for other people, his selflessness, his teamwork attitude, where he's willing to take second place to help somebody else. We also learned that he's got a little bit of game with his uh, flirting with Oleana Mirren. Yes. Yeah. And I totally had a crush on her when I was a little, <laughs> for those out there wondering. Um so yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot else to say. This episode really focuses on the Wesley Crusher character, you know, and his personality traits. Um, most of the other episodes we get, he's just the Superboy genius who saves the day because he's either the only one paying attention and the adults are dismissing him the entire time until they find out he's right, or he's just highly intelligent and his has some new invention that that works or new you know formula that works but this makes him more multi-dimensional yes it does and that's one thing i always liked about will wheaton aside from the many things is i know the older he got he he kind of expressed a no- of like frustration and annoyance with the whole shut up wesley thing but mm-hmm. the whole reason i think people still remember that is a lot of us younger watching that we we know what he was going through i mean granted we weren't on a starship but we understood what it was like to be growing up and be awkward and trying to learn who you are and having people like Derek, you just said people talking over him. I mean, we all went through that, right? Was it just me? It was just me. Wasn't no, it? no, absolutely. <laughs> but that's what I mean is we kind of relate with that. I know he, he gets annoyed with that today, but I'm like, dude, Will Wheaton, if I somehow you listen to this, we get it. We all went through it. Well, he's he's like the the paragon of every kid that was in the gifted program who thought that meant he should be given like the key to the city. It's just like it's just as a kid, if you're if you're like a smart, nerdy kid watching Wesley and it's like all of the adults aren't listening to him. Don't they realize he's smarter than them? It's just like, yeah, he is smarter than them. Those dumb adults. <laughs> That's like he was he was definitely my my archetypal like smart kid who deserves to be listened to kind of hero well it's kind of like the episode where no one has gone before with the traveler right and wesley is noticing everything that's going on and nobody really wants to pay him the time of day um and and so that happens a lot to him but in this episode everyone's forced to pay attention to him because that's the whole point is he's testing so to be fair everyone was forced to pay attention to him in the naked now too I mean, <laughs> that's right. By being the Marvel villain, yeah. that's true. Captain right? Wesley. But the the issue there, though, is that when I think of the naked now, I actually don't really think about Wesley's portion in that episode at all. I, I I think about Data and Tasha. I think about the connections to the original series. It's a nice sequel episode, um, but Wesley's more there because they needed to have. They needed to put some type of timestamp on everything to make things pressured, right? Whereas in coming of age, there isn't really any of that. His, when his testing's done, his testing's done. And there's no major climax of the episode otherwise. Yeah, though I, I still definitely consider that the A plot because that's what we're supposed to be paying attention to all the stuff with Jake Curland and his like runaway shuttle and, and this Dick who's just running around harassing everyone on the ship. Like all of that felt so inconsequential. Cause clearly that wasn't like in the last act of the show, they're not going to take away the ship or come across any great conspiracy. It's all just this fluff to like distract you from the the lack of stakes in wesley's part but it didn't have any stakes either it was just louder Mm -hmm. no you're right that's why i'm saying like this episode doesn't have a lot of stakes like sure there's a conspiracy and you know maybe this one kid jake might have died that's that's it that's all you get yeah i mean if there's one thing i had a critique about aside from klingon stuff with discovery is that there weren't any no stakes episodes like everything was life or death from beginning to end there was never just that like let's go to risa and you know kick around for an episode and have a have a breath breath it's everything was like shit we're on fire 
Well, I mean, the, the stakes here are big for Wesley, right? Because the idea of not getting into Starfleet Academy right. was a huge blow to him. But they're but, emotional, and, and by the end, he still feels good about himself. Yeah, it's not life or death. Yeah. It's still life-changing, but not life or death. True. Um, all right, well, how do we want to do this? you guys want to make your closing arguments? Or it like, kind of felt like the whole thing was your closing argument? That's how I roll. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of with Derek. Wait, what? I'm kind of with Derek. It's just my my initial position and argument is is how I wanted to end it. Well, now you guys got to shit talk the other one. So say why it's not the best Wesley episode. All right. See, I can't ah. because I it, Derek has a it, it's a great episode. It's not a bad Wesley episode. But I was focusing more on the positives of mine. Yeah. See, this is how we we can't have nice things. There's no conflict. See, this is, We're all happy. This is. Well, no. So, I mean, I I can be that guy, uh, you know. <laughs> hey, uh, oh, hey. <laughs> you know, the the naked now is a good episode, but Wesley is secondary to the plot, right? He is there as a means to move us to a climax of the episode, but the episode's not about him, right? He's the MacGuffin to solve and save the day. Whereas Coming of Age is a Wesley episode. It's about who he is as a person and where he is striving to be. But he also fails. <laughs> That's right. He but don't, loses. Don't forget, though, sometimes you have to fail to learn something from that situation, right? And, okay, Picard. Well, that's that's what this is, though, right? <laughs> Picard is a mentor for him. And even Picard knows that, you know, failures happen. I mean, hell, Picard admits that he failed the first time. Hey, we're not supposed to talk about that. That was a secret. For Picard to say that says a lot about how he respects who Wesley is and knows that Wesley will learn from this, that Wesley will take away positive things and will do it next time. And so it's it's how you act in defeat can sometimes matter even more than how you act when you succeed, right? Because, of course, we're supposed to believe he's going to succeed. He's helping out Mordok, and he knew how to interact with the alien, and he saves the guy, and the psych test, he's doing everything right. So clearly, he's going to pass. And then that's when they throw you the wrench to show more character growth for Wesley. Also, I love the curt nod he gets from the, the guy who he couldn't save when he leaves that little simulation room. Where he's just like, I'm sorry, and then pulls the guy out, and then like two seconds later, the guy's just like, sup? <laughs> just walks <laughs> past him. <laughs> it's like, that's a tense moment. It's a tense moment, but he'd already been battled. He already battled in blood, basically, during the Naked Nap. That's true. Because he saved, he saved the day, but but the only reason he was able to save the day is because he caused all the problems. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing. Right? So he causes all the problems, but who really saves the day is really Data. Is saying Wesley saved the day in that episode is like saying Q is the hero of every episode that he's in. Well, I mean, Q who? I mean, uh, Q who? He's kind of the the hero. I mean, you know, the Borg were coming anyways, right? What? <laughs> <laughs> Q might be the hero in all good things. Okay, true. We'll talk Q episodes later. Oh, I love Q. John Delancey is one of my favorite actors of all time. I love Q so much. Well, he did nail that whole part too. God, his uh, his stuff in Breaking Bad was so sad. I didn't know he was in Breaking Bad. Oh yeah, he's Jessica Jones's dad. She's huh. she's in Breaking Bad too. It's like season four. I didn't get that far. No. Um, New podcast, Breaking Bad cast. <laughs> the Breaking Bad cast. Uh, all right. So anyway, um, yeah. I mean that that that's basically where this sits. I don't know, Jeremy, how you want to handle your. I will give coming of age credit because it came after the episode Home Soil and Home Soil was terrible. <laughs> Which I'm one sorry, was I know it's fun. It's the one with the ugly bags of mostly water, the little silicon life form marbles that somehow have massive power to. Anyways, Home Soil is a bad episode. <laughs> it's the one with the planet that they're trying to terraform, oh. and the laser gun kills the one guy and it tries shooting Data. I vaguely remember that. It, Season one is very fuzzy it. for me. <laughs> Yeah, nobody remembers it except people like me because it was bad. <laughs> All right. Just holding those grudges. <clears throat> Forever. Um, well, so I guess it comes down to my judgment. Um, 
So as far as, I don't know, we sh- I feel like we should have like breakdowns, like points, but I, I didn't think of anything, so I'm not going to try and improv that. Um, as far as who is a more integral part of the plot of these two episodes, I would definitely say Coming of Age uh, has more Wesley screen time, more Wesley lines, more more Wesley, you know, action. Um, I would say as far as like, enjoyable wesley moments i would say the naked now just because generally from beginning to end that is a much more fun episode and like everyone is being likable and everyone is is having having fun with their characters um so even though he's not in it quite as much uh he he plays i mean he plays more he's it's just such a fun role um as far as wardrobe, that goes to Naked Now because he's wearing like a tasteful gray number instead of the weird rainbow thing, uh, which makes no sense. Why would why would he wear that? It's, is it like a kid's uniform that is just like you get all the colors? Nah, I don't know. I think it was supposed to symbolize the multicolored uniforms. Well, it has red, yellow, and blue stripes, so it's like it's it's like the uh, squires in Final Fantasy Tactics. Like you're you can be anything. We just don't know yet. <laughs> um let's see but I, want, I want to be a dragoon anyways <laughs> not from squire come on um okay coming of age uh i think has it on accurate portrayal of who wesley is as a character um because he's like plucky and intrepid and uh what do you what do you call kids that are that are too smart for their age there's a word for that anyway um yeah, so I'd say my overall best Wesley episode of these two for season one would have to be Coming of Age. Boo. Boo. <laughs> I, think, I think Naked Now is the better episode, but I think Coming of Age is the better Wesley episode because it just reeks of Wesley. It reeks of Wesley. Yep. Fantastic. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> That's right. You will take it. So next week... Um, Jeremy and I will be picking what we believe to be the best season one TNG romance episode. You can't take the naked now because it's already taken. Uh, well, I think you can. I don't think there's any reason you can't. Uh, you just have to focus on the rom- the romance subplot. Exactly. Yeah, Tasha and Data. Uh, you know, you can you can read us your Tasha Data fanfic that you've written all those years ago. Um, I rewrite it every year. <laughs> Um, well and also and then, as far as that romance thing goes for the naked now and i'm not going to do the naked now i don't i think we should try and mix it up but um there's that line at the end that is so like weirdly forced where picard is like it seems we're all gonna have very interesting relationships and like he looks at crusher and troy looks at will and tasha looks at data and it's like all right heavy-handed writing and direction <laughs> well you know it was season one um yeah, so that'll be next week, and then we have not decided what the third topic will be quite yet. Who's judging that? You're judging that one. Yeah. You have yeah. any thoughts? Go for it. Call it now. I'm not sure. No. I got. I got to think about it. I got to think about it. Yeah. Well, we'll get back to you on that. Now, one thing we can do, guys, and we talked a bit about this, but we hadn't made a decision yet. Is do we want to post a poll for this and let the viewers also vote? for which episode they think is the better one for that particular topic and then discuss the results on the following episode. Yes. I think when this episode is live as a podcast, we should have uh, that poll prepared. Okay. So that's what we'll do. So uh, on Friday, when this episode goes live, we will a couple hours later, tweet out a poll. You have to go to, to Twitter at heroes podcasts, which is plural on Twitter. And the poll will be open Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday until we start our recording time, which is 10 p.m. Central. And if you get your vote in before then, we'll, we'll, it'll be part of those results. We'll talk about it, and people will be able to kind of be part of that conversation. Yeah, and any comments for arguments for why you chose the way you chose, uh, hit us up on the old Twitterino. Absolutely. All right. Well, is there anything else you guys want to talk about? today uh i didn't have anything greg i demand a recount but no i'm uh, <laughs> a recount of one All right, let me count uh oh. still coming of age
damn it, all right, I'm taking this as a Supreme Court of Star Trek. No, it's just, I like the new format. This is fun. With 99% of the precincts reporting in. Ah, uh, Trump won the third recount. You guys, what happened? I hate you. I'm cutting that. <laughs> okay. I'm cutting that. <laughs> That's, that will not be in our podcast. That's fair. We'll keep that evil out of this podcast. All right. So, guys, where can people find you out in the interverse? <laughs> what? The web sphere. <laughs> the webadrome. The web the webadrome. <laughs> All nerds enter, no nerds leave. Um, I am on Twitter at Zen Munkin. I am also on uh, another show on the network called Analysis, a Westworld podcast, where we talk about Westworld. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. I went there. And you can find me on Yahoo and Twitter at the, the underscore Bittersteel. I don't do any other shows right now. I occasionally, you know, will help out with Screen Heroes or something. But Game of Thrones fans, stay stay, uh, stay active because I'm going to convince these guys to do a Game of Thrones thing in a year. Convince if it ever us. comes back. If it ever comes back. Well, winter is here, so I'm sure they'll be back to finish things off. Um, and I am the Star Trek dude on Twitter and Facebook. You can find me on Screen Heroes and Gamer Heroes, two other shows on the Heroes Podcast Network where I talk movies and TV and video games. So that's going to be it for us. Have a good night. Red Shirts and Runabouts is part of the Heroes Podcast Network. The show is hosted by myself, Gregory Bosco, along with Jeremy Munkin and Derek Mayer. The theme song is by Flying Killer Robots. You can find us as well as other Heroes Podcast Network shows at heroespodcast.com as well as on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Google Play, and anywhere you can use an RSS feed. Follow us on social media at Heroes Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. And you can also email us at contact at heroespodcast.com. Engage. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.